before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. May the Lord bless this reading of the gospel message. I want to share with you three important reasons why we engage in purposeful service. The first one is we are commanded to. We're commanded to engage in service. The second one is service is a crucial instrument for all of us to become like Jesus. And lastly, service is the response to God's love and grace in our lives. You know, there are over 2,000 passages in the Bible that talk about our responsibility and God's special care and provision to those who are poor and those who are suffering injustice. It also strikes me that out of those 2,000 plus passages, most of us can't recite any of them, and most of us don't want to do anything about them, except if we might find ourselves in that poor category or in the category of needing justice. And then maybe perhaps we might want to take advantage of those, those scripture passages. It's not lost on me that in 2013, when we started the Code Blue program in the city of Bridgeton, which ended up becoming law in the state of New Jersey, it started first with an email to all the churches in the city of Bridgeton to say, who wants to be involved in sheltering the homeless in the church buildings. And there was a resounding silence from that email. No one, not one church responded to that message. Not one church responded to that call. 
That message went out actually, I believe in October or November. And then it was on December 9th, 2013, that Mr. Joseph Henshaw climbs into the Salvation Army clothing bin to escape the elements and he suffocates. And then the news media comes down to Britchen area and instantaneously, Code Blue was born. But actually, Code, and Code Blue began out of four different church buildings, four different church buildings. However, the other thing that struck me during that whole experience that I had been involved in starting Code Blue and managing Code Blue is that by and large, the majority of the volunteers for Code Blue had nothing to do with church, had nothing to do with that church building, but they showed up at 12 in the morning and at three in the morning to watch people sleep. I have to tell you something, I was never a big fan of Code Blue even while I started Code Blue because I have to tell you that I'd rather be sitting at home doing nothing, watching television, then actually get involved. And act, because getting involved means that you gotta roll up your sleeves, you gotta get your hands dirty and you have to do things. And I've had to do a lot of things over those years that in my own natural self, I would never do. But you know, when we talk about service and when we talk about these things, we often talk about the benefits of service to the people that we are serving. Rarely do we talk about the necessity of service in our spiritual lives. It also strikes me that, again, we have this disconnect. Oh, church, every Sunday I can come in and I can tell you a message and you can say amen. And then you leave here and then nothing ever changes in our life. Because as James tells us that we're not called to just be hearers of the word, but we're called to be doers of the word. And that means the complete composite of the word. What we end up doing is we try to piecemeal the Christian life together. We try to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. What I kind of like, we treat Christianity, we treat following Jesus as a buffet that we can just choose a little bit of what we like and we can ignore what we don't like. But at the end of the day, that won't work. It doesn't work. Jesus tells us that we have to be all in or we're actually there isn't a middle ground when it comes to discipleship. And see, Jesus doesn't call us to go to church. to us by the one that we say is our Lord and Savior. Every Sunday we gather, every Sunday we sing, every Sunday we say a Lord's Prayer, but he actually commands us to serve one another. Now, I want to preface this. This does not mean that we all have to engage in the same acts of service, but it does mean that we all have to have the same attitude towards service. We all have to say, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Because not every act of service is for everybody. And the Bible even talks about that, that we're all the body of Christ and each and every one of us 
have different skills and talents and abilities, but the important thing is, is that we are using those abilities in service to one another, in service to the world around us. Jesus says, we are salt and we are light. We are the city on the hill. We are supposed to be going out and being ambassadors of hope. Wherever we go, we shine. Wherever we go, we spread hope. Wherever we go, we share the fragrance of Christ. In this passage that we read in John chapter 13, this is right before Jesus is going to be crucified. In fact, it says in that passage that Jesus knows who is unclean at the table. He knows who's going to betray him. Here's the thing about Jesus is that he washes everyone's feet. He washes Peter's feet, who is going to deny him. He washes Judas's feet, who's going to betray him. And he washes the feet of all those self-interested disciples who are more interested around that table with what they were going to get out of the kingdom than being interested in the king himself. Does that sound familiar, church? A lot of self-interested people, what can I get out of my faith? What do I want for from God? I serve you by serving one another. How can I love on you, God? John chapter 13 and verse 13, Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is his messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It sounds very clear to me that Jesus is laying out a commandment for all of us, that we are to serve. Why? Because that is what he has done. And don't think that service is above you. Because here is Jesus, and this is the interesting thing. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Think about that. That is Jesus acknowledging he knew full well his identity. He knew his privilege. He knew his power. And intentionally, he gets up and he serves. If Jesus does that, we are required to do that. Because actually being a Christian being a, is being a little Christ. It is following after the footsteps of Jesus. And the footsteps of Jesus lead us directly to the feet of the people in this world. And not just the feet of the people that we like, 
but especially to the people that we don't like. I mean, think, think about that. We live in such a divided age. We all huddle with the people that think like us and talk like us. And we don't really want to engage with other people because they will drive us crazy. Just get on Facebook. You'll see that division. But blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who choose to stand in the gap and who choose to wash one another's feet, even if that person would betray you, even if that person would deny you, even if that person would spit at you, we still wash feet because it is all about what it's our response to what Jesus has told us to do and what Jesus has done for us. In John chapter 13, verse 34, we didn't read this passage, but it says in the New Living Translation, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Now here's the thing about that new commandment. He's not just saying love one another. He's saying love one another as I have loved you. And this is what it said in the beginning of that John chapter 13 that we read. It said this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Everybody say to the end. He loves them to the end. He loves us to the end. He never gives up. We never exhaust God's grace. We never exhaust God's love. And that, my friends, is the love that we are called to emulate. Now, before I, before I go any further, I want you to understand that whatever God commands us to do, he equips us to do. Because when I tell you that he wants us to love one another and love deeply and to hang on to that love, God also equips us with his love. It wasn't intended to be our love, but God's love made complete in us that then equips us and enables us to fulfill all those commands. In Romans chapter 13, the apostle Paul says that he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Remember I told you all those 2,000 plus passages of dealing with justice, dealing with the poor. Well, my friends, if we love one another as Christ loved us, then it would fulfill all those passages. It would be the natural outflow. See, I don't need to tell you to forgive your enemies when we recognize that we are to love our enemies. And love keeps no record of wrong. You see, I don't need to give you all those other sermons. I remember there was a person that, uh, a couple that came to this church and they said, you know, pastor, does your church have a problem with love? Because you talk about love an awful lot. And I go, our church doesn't have a particular problem with love. The world has a problem with love. And if we get the love walk down, the rest follows suit, right? It tells us if you understand love, if you are loving one another, then everything else falls in line. First John 4, 20, the writer says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Let's just sit on that for a second. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. 
Is that an ouch hallelujah moment for anybody? It says you're a liar. You can't claim to love God and not love his people. You see, I like the people who tell me I don't need to be a, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And I go, well, technically, I guess you're right. But if you want to be a follower of Jesus, here's what he tells us. Feed my sheep. You got to be involved in community. You got to be with one another. It's one thing to talk about love as a theory. It's another thing to talk about love in actuality, love in practice. First John 3, 17 through 18. Notice first John, he writes a lot about this love walk. In the message translation, this is how it says, if you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. You and you made it disappear. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're truly living in God's reality. That's such a striking warning to us that if we turn away from one another, what happens is God's love disappears. It isn't that somehow God has separated his love from us, but it's how does God love the world? He loves the world by sending his son. He, and his son has sent us into the world. Jesus says, as the father has sent me, so I now send you. But church, if we don't go, if we don't serve, then God's love disappears. So whose fault is it when it's dark? I've said this story many times, but one of those early years when we used to have like passing around the microphone, when I trusted to pass around the microphone. And I remember Ruth Ann standing up and saying, we need to pray because the world is dark. And I said, well, you, we should pray for that. But when the world is dark, you don't curse the darkness, you turn on the light. And Jesus says, we are the light of the world. We're intended to shine in those dark places. And so church, the second point that I want us to get is service is a crucial instrument in becoming like Jesus. It's part of this discipleship progress. You can't just go to church. You can't just sing a song. You can't just hear a sermon. That's not going to do it but it's actually putting it into practice. Notice what it said in John chapter 13 and verse 4 and 12. After it says that Jesus knows who he is, it says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And then in verse 14, it says, when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. What I get out of that is one, Jesus knew his identity, as we mentioned before. He knew who he was, but he was purposeful. He was purposeful in what he was doing. He got up and he had to take off something and to take on the nature of a servant. How many of us have to take off our pride? How many of us have to take off our prejudice? How many of us have to take off the hatred and the sin that so easily entangles us and weighs us down so that we can get down and wash one another's feet? We have to be purposeful about taking off those bad things and putting on Christ. 
service is that instrument to make us become like Jesus. You know, the Bible says this, that we are being transformed with ever-increasing glory into the likeness of Jesus. And do you say amen to that? Wow, that was today. Do you say amen? Yes, that's, not, that's good news. With ever-increasing glory from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory, that sounds great. Just like it sounds great when I say at marriage ceremonies, and the two shall become one. Those people who are married, have been married, does the two shall become one feel very good? No, because two becoming one means people have to lose in order to become something new. It's that idea of being transformed with ever-increasing glory means I have to lose in order to become something new. And service is a means of that happening. The means of getting the attitude of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. It's a wonderful passage in chapter 2 there. But Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We could have a whole sermon series on that passage right there alone. But Paul goes on to say about his mindset. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And then that passage goes on. It's this beautiful passage. And it says, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto the point of death and death upon a cross. Dying a scorning, scornful death. Dying a shameful death for all of us. But then it says, Therefore, God gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess on in heaven and on earth. Because, church, see, we always want to get to the therefore part. Oh, I wish we could skip to the therefore part. But if you want to get to the therefore part, you got to go through the rest of it. The Bible tells us, that we share in the sufferings of Christ so that we can also share in the resurrection glory. Oh, we love Easter Sunday. We live, we live, and then Monday we're back to it's Monday. But here's the thing. We love Easter Sunday because it sounds victorious. But we don't spend most of our lives on Easter Sunday. We spend most of our lives on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of our lives. Here's the thing, church, we have to have that same mindset as Jesus and practicing that humility. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul went, goes on and he says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. We don't earn God's grace, but when we receive God's grace, it changes us. Truly accepting and receiving God's grace changes every aspect of our lives. And so therefore, church, we have to cooperate with that grace. 
We have to cooperate with the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But no wonder, church, you're never going to hear the Holy Spirit if you never get time for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You're never going to hear from God unless you give him time. Most of us are too busy giving him our litany of our non-negotiable demands to the Almighty to make us happy for today. Then to ask him, what do you want from me? How to use me? I'm listening. And to be silent. Rich Mullins said this quote, and I love this quote. He says, Christianity is not about building an absolutely secure little niche in the world where you can live with your perfect little wife and your perfect little children in your beautiful little house where you have no gays or minority groups anywhere near you. Christianity is about learning to love like Jesus loved and Jesus loved the poor and Jesus loved the broken. Working out our salvation means that I start not leaning on my own love, but I start leaning on the love of Jesus. Living for Jesus, we sang that song. I give myself to thee, for thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. My friends, Jesus has given himself to us so that we could go out and give ourselves to the world. We do that through humble service. James chapter 4, verse 10 in the Amplified Version says, Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you, he will lift you up, and he will give you purpose. Now, this idea of humbling ourselves, we kind of get that what the Bible saying is that we all need to practice humility. It's up to us to practice humility. And we do that. Service gives us this wonderful opportunity to do so. But here's the part that until this morning never really hit me. That humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. You know, what I ever saw about that line in the presence of the Lord, I oftentimes thought, well, you know, when I go to God in prayer, right? Humble myself when I go to God in prayer. Humble myself when I'm coming to church, when I'm in the presence of the Lord. But here's what Jesus said about the presence of the Lord. And it's from Matthew 25. I'm going to read from the message translation. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. And it goes on to say, and when you didn't do it, you didn't do it to Jesus. That's striking words, church. These are words that should make our hearts tremble. When have we ignored our Lord and Savior in our midst? When have we walked by? When have we not humbled ourselves in the presence of the Lord? Because in the presence of the Lord is in the presence of the least of these. It's in the presence of our enemies. It's in the presence of the broken. It's in the presence of the people that we can't stand. That church, that's holy ground. That's where we take off our shoes. And that's where we take off our outer garments, recognizing it's holy ground, and we wash those feet. Because that's what Jesus did for us while we were yet sinners. Christ Jesus died for us. And so church service is the response 
to God's love and grace. Jesus says in John chapter 13, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who truly sent him. The thing I love about God is that he doesn't tell us to go any place that he hasn't gone first. He doesn't tell us to do anything that he hasn't done first. He's given us a pattern to follow. He has washed our feet, so therefore, church, it's our job, it's our obligation, it's our privilege to wash one another's feet in the name of Jesus. First John 5, 1 through 4 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know the love. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is our job. It is simply to love. But how do we possibly love like this? How do we love in sacrificial service? My friends, we need a greater revelation of God's love for us. As we understand the greater revelation of God's love for us, whatever God gives to us, he gives to us to flow through us. God's love in us, God's love out of us. But you can't give away what you haven't experienced. You can't give away what you don't own. And so whenever we have that problem, you know when people get on your nerves? That should, that's a warning sign for us. Not because the other person got on our nerves. In this world, you're going to have lots of people getting on your nerves. But it's a warning sign to us that says, do I need to get deeper with Jesus? Do I need to get deeper, deeply connected so that this doesn't bother me any longer? That I'm not tossed about as a double-minded person in the seas of this life, but I have my mind focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and I have my mind focused on his love. I'm setting my thoughts on the things that are above and not the things of this world so that I can be free. Everybody say free. Free to love one another as Christ has loved us. John 14, 23 through 24 Jesus emphasizes this. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And then in the next passage over in John chapter 15, he talks about that he is divine and we're the branches. You see, this whole process, Jesus knew who he was. Church, you need to know who you are. You need to know the inheritance that you have in Christ Jesus. You need to know that you can abide in him and that the Father desires to make his home in you. And when his home is in you, think about that. All the power that created the universe is in you. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And so, as Paul tells the church in Thessalonica, in chapter 1, verse 3, 
how he recalled unceasingly before our God and Father your work energized by faith and your service motivated by love and unwavering hope in the return of our Lord and Jesus Christ. My friends, our service is motivated by love and unwavering hope in Christ and Christ alone. You know, I grew up in a Baptist church and we had an altar call. And some people went down to that altar call. It seemed like every week it was the same people going down every week. But come down and we would play the songs just as I am. And they come down just as they were. And they left just as they were to that song, Just As I Am. Today, church, I want to give you a different type of altar call. I want you to go meet Jesus. I want you to go meet Jesus on the streets. I want you to go meet Jesus in the nursing homes, in the hospitals. I want you to go meet Jesus wherever there's hurting people. Imagine what the world would be like if we didn't come down to an altar, but recognize the world is the altar and Jesus is out there waiting for you, waiting for me. It's time, church. Let's all stand. Place your hands out. Church, go now and embrace the hope to which God has called you. Recognize Christ and friend and stranger. And as Christ has been gracious to you, so be gracious to those in need. And may God give you a place of rest on rich pastures. May Christ Jesus be the shepherd king who binds your wounds. And may the Holy Spirit give you wisdom and reveal to you the fullness of the one who fills all in all. And go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, all God's children said, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you next week.